Hello ladies and gentlemen, welcome to What Do You Say Anime. I am your host Peter. On today's episode, we will be going over the recently finished summer anime season and giving our thoughts and ratings on a handful of shows. Since this is a review episode, we will be discussing prequels and events that occurred during these shows, so this is your spoiler warning. If you are wishing to avoid spoilers for certain shows, fear not. Timestamps for their respected shows will be listed in the episode description below. Joining me today, host of the Manga Melee podcast, frequent contributor to the Anime Watch Club, and three-time All-City Breakdance champion. The limit may not exist, but the factor does. We got Jay. Jay, how's it going? Oh, it's going pretty well. Just came back from a wedding, so I'm feeling the love, the spirit of love in my heart, and uh, honestly looking forward to reviewing this super underrated season of anime, as far as I feel. Everyone's focused on the fall season, but the summer season was super good, in my opinion. I agree. And making her first appearance to the pod, Jay's partner in crime, we have Simone. Simone, how's it going? Also came back from the wedding. Very tired. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm glad you guys made time to do the podcast with me. As I said before, we will be going over the recently finished summer 2022 season. Uh, Jay, you kind of gave us your initial thoughts. Uh, Simone, what were your thoughts in general of the shows that you saw this, uh, this season of anime? Honestly? I've been pretty impressed by, like, the visuals this year in general. Like, voice acting, whatever, I take it as it is. But, like, when it comes to, like, animation, like, use of color and stuff like that, that has really, like, popped out to me completely. Yeah, I I agree. I think there's a handful of those, especially in the voice or the the visuals as well. And then for me, I had some some voice acting, I think, very high-notch performances that came through this season that we're going to go over. Jay, what were your thoughts on the overall... Um, season that just wrapped up. I know you gave me some initial thoughts, but is there something that like stuck out that like maybe you didn't see coming that like really stuck out to you, or was there some stinkers in your mind that you wish that you could have avoided? Uh, so I think Tekken Bloodline was one that really stuck out to me that I was surprised by how good it was. And as for stinkers, I think Call of, or Classroom of the Elite rather season two. Uh, very divisive. I know a lot of people who enjoyed it quite a bit. Shout out my boy Hastic. I know a lot of people who did not enjoy it so much, and for understandable reasons. So, I'm looking forward to discussing that a bit, um, because like I said, super divisive. And Call of the Night is something that I kind of, when it got announced, I very much dismiss it as smug lolly vampire anime, but... It surprised me and truly wrapped around into being my favorite release of the season, if I'm being honest. Well, that's a good transition. So let's talk about our first show that we have for the season. That is Call of the Night. Uh, It is a a series that Jay has read, I think, more than I did. But I read up until about episode 9 or 10 of the anime. And this one stuck out to me because I knew what I I was expecting. I knew it was going to be like this coming-of-age vampire love story. But I didn't realize how much like effort that they put into the aesthetics of the show that really added more to just the story itself. I thought the visual, the color palette and the music just added an entire another level of the omniance that we really got from it. So uh, Jay and Simone, I wanted to get your guys' th- thoughts on uh, Call of the Night. Yeah, honestly, like you said, the sound design was so good in that. Uh, the soundtrack by Creepy Nuts in particular, it really just, it matched the kind of, chilled laid-back feeling of it with those sort of lo-fi kind of uh chill beats 
I really, I, I liked them. Uh, it, it reminded me a bit of um, Pillows doing the Fooly Cooly soundtrack. Yeah, absolutely. Where you have this one group who is so devoted to doing the soundtrack of this one thing, it kind of, like, when they build around that sort of thing, it really adds a complete layer to it, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. How about you, Simone? Um, Definitely the use of colors. That was friggin' gorgeous. Honestly, for me, it's, like, character development and, like, discussions they have about, like, life, death, sexuality, relationships, like, all that. Like, I, I love the subject matter on top of, like, obviously, I love vampires, so, like, <laughs> yeah, like, I'm totally down either way. But I, I thought it was, like, really thorough and, like, really well done for, like, a first season. Like, I was, like, yeah, yeah. I agree. I thought something really interesting that they did here was really, in terms of, like, I'd say in vampire stories, and this might sound silly, but in terms of the color palette, but the lack of the color red in this story that they used, they really only used it for uh, blood in certain, like, fights, but even when, like, Ko got, like, his blood sucked, they really showed blood and really showed, or rarely showed the color red. It was more like this purple-blue like neon yeah. aesthetic that like you said kind of felt like a lo-fi vibe where even when we had action scenes or something like that i really was more just like sit back relax in my recliner vibe rather than like out of my seat and i thought that was something yeah. ex extremely interesting uh simone you touched on it as well with uh sexuality especially i want to talk about like the last two episodes where i thought that this kind of like elevated it for me where it went from like good to great with uh cabra's character where he looks like a girl and i thought that the emphasis of like him just dressing hot to get um spawn or whatever was a really interesting concept that i don't know if i've really seen in like vampires because a lot of times if they are a male vampire it's like the pretty boy i feel like mm -hmm. and this was like yeah. a tomboy-esque style character and i thought that was really interesting uh, just with that alone uh, and then the emphasis of kind of like love with Ku and Nazana and their developing relationship I want to get your guys' thoughts on like what you guys felt whether it was like romantic or whether it was like identification of like their character and just and their self of Call of the Night because I do feel like that's a huge factor in the show so obviously there's kind of like the I know a lot of people were kind of weirded out by the age gap between Ko and Nazuna. And I get that to an extent. But at the same time, it's also an element of the vampire romance genre in that somebody's going to fall in love with somebody who is hundreds of years older than them. Do I think that maybe the story would have fit a Western audience better if Ko was, say, a college student? Yeah. But you also have to understand that in the Japanese culture, the high school age that Ko is at is considered the last bit of freedom you have, which ties in so well to the messages of Call of the Night, which is going outside at night and finding your freedom when nobody else is there, especially for Ko, who, as a minor, does not necessarily have that freedom during the day. So I get why people are weirded out for by it, but at the same time, I think it's kind of applying a Western mindset to... A Japanese thing and I don't necessarily want to be one of those guys who's like eh, you know woke westerners yep. <laughs> like I do understand why people weirded out by it but at the same time 
looking at like how Nazuna kind of has some rest of development going on and stuff like that, I don't necessarily see it as much of an issue as some people bring it up to be, I suppose. I think that, sorry if that's kind of a controversial thing to bring up, but I'm curious as to what you and uh, Simone feel about that, actually. I, I think I think context matters, and like you said, it's like the vampire, if this wasn't like a vampire thing, then it, yeah, it might be a little bit different, but I mean, like, we've seen Twilight and, like, Edward's like 150 or something like that, it's like, yeah, the, the age isn't like the important or, factor about like this story it's about like yeah. the relationships between them and like you're identifying yourself as like who you want to be and that's what ko is going through and that's what nazna yeah. can provide it never felt like creepy or anything like that it, it was like very heartwarming and loving and that it's that's, not that's it's not a sexual relationship in the slightest even like no. i understand why people might draw the sexual nature from like the sucking of the blood and stuff like that but at the same time, it's, I don't know, it's never really played as, like, a completely sexual relationship. Yep. There's some fan service in the show. Specifically in the last episode, there was a frame where they lit, it just starts off on the vampire Femboy's ass and then, like, zooms out. But other than that, I really found it was, especially compared to Dagashi Kashi, yeah. I found it really tame for uh, Kotiyama's works. Yes. How about you, Simone? Did you have any thoughts on that? I think that their relationship is entirely unique to their own. And I think that's part of, like, Call of the Night is kind of like finding your own path kind of deal, if that makes sense. Like, what, what off of what Jay was saying, it's like finding yourself, going out, like... And I feel like this is something that they're giving each other just, like, something, you know what I mean? Like, for her, it might be the blood. For him, it's an entirely new experience yep. of being, you know? And I think that's very beneficial for both. Like, they're they're learning things from each other. Again, not necessarily sexual, but I, I do think it's, like, their own version of romance. Yes. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Completely agree. Yeah, I, I had a really fun time watching the show. I thought the cast itself was just wonderful. Uh, they did a really good job at introducing Akko later in the series, like later in the season, where I really want more of her. I thought her introduction, if, if their goal is to say make one season and that's it and go by the manga, I think they did a really good job. However, I do think that this will get a second season. It was really widely popular, and yeah. I think its manga sales have been picking up lately with the anime adaptation itself. So just because of that, I just I, I was just fully entranced with the show. It. it it takes a pretty simple coming of age story, but makes it unique with like this vampire. And it's really awesome to see, like Jay mentioned, it's the same author of Dakashi Kashi or whatever it's called and how vastly different this story is compared yeah. to that. It shows like how people can grow as a mangaka. Uh, that, that's a, cause I hated that story and I love Call I, of the Night. Yeah. I know a lot of people were really into Dakashi Kashi and I kind of looked into it. And it just felt overtly horny, even compared to this. Like, yep. Call of the Night, mind you, I wouldn't call it a non-horny uh, anime. It, it definitely, it's subtle with it. Though. Like, I think the ending is, yeah, I agree. The yeah. ending is by far the most sexualized thing with Nizuna doing, like, a whole bubble bath sort of deal. But... I don't know. Yeah, I definitely agree with you, Pete, that you could definitely see how Kotiyama grew in terms of, like, just characterization in general, while keeping his general style 
Because you can definitely see a lot of the character design in from uh, the main character oh, of Gagashikashi yeah. and Nazuna, specifically in the ringed eyes. Yeah. I would say it's pretty. It's pretty. I want to say cut and paste, but it's very reminiscent in his style. of it. Yeah, yeah, for yeah. sure. Well, I think we talked enough about this. Let's get to our final ratings and final thoughts on Call of the Night. Uh, I will start it off. I thought the show was a breath of fresh air in a coming of age style of stories we had it earlier this or yeah earlier this year with like ranking of kings which is also a very similar uh, i should say similar but also a coming of age story but in a different sense where we're getting a little bit more of these into the anime sphere that i'm a huge fan of this was no exception loved it the music was incredible the color palette was great i thought nazano's voice actress was so well done i just mm -hmm. fell in love with her character the entire cast itself was just an overall enjoyable time I, it, it hooked me to want more uh, because of all of those things I mentioned before. Not really a whole lot to like be negative on, to be honest. I'm trying to think if I can like nitpick or something like that. It just didn't have that like the wow factor to give it a 10, but I'm going to give it a 9. I thought this was like a really wonderful show. Yeah, I understand where you're coming from. I think that for me personally, I'm just going to spoil this. I'm giving it a 10 just because I enjoyed the aesthetic and vibe of it that they cultivated with it with the creepy nut soundtrack and everything but i understand people giving it lower because the first like six episodes or so were so slow but i love that slow burn kind of with the characters growing to know each other and like i don't know i liked like mizuna and ko having a fight where they don't understand each other and having to work through that i think that's like episode six or seven or something like that and Man, Anko Iguiso, the detective, she is legitimately like my top waifu of all time. She Damn. is perfectly designed for yeah, me. She's great. Uh, I know a lot of people have complaints with like how the eyes and stuff were designed. And, uh, I like them. Like even with uh, the childhood friend who has kind of like the cross, not cross eyes, but uh, her <laughs> eyes are going. Yeah, I guess cross eye would be yeah. the way you call it. <laughs> Yeah. I don't think I don't find it that big of a deal because she's meant to be like a disheveled sort of character mm -hmm. who is is going through some stuff. So I really enjoyed it. I liked that. I liked how it picked up after episode seven or so. And I've been reading the manga a bit, and I really, really hope that it gets an additional season. And I think it will because it's been selling really well. Yeah. How about you, and, Yeah, so for, for me, 10, by the way. Got it. I also give it a 9. I really enjoyed it. Again, that slow burn didn't quite catch me in the beginning, and that's why. But I did enjoy it quite a bit. Um, I don't know. <laughs> I really want to see season 2, quite yeah. honestly. I'm, I'm excited for it. Yeah. I just have to say that last episode was, like, near perfect as well. Oh, like, yeah, loved having season end. Especially with the way that they did the... the like foil of the first episode where Ko is going up to her at the vending machine oh and surprises her. The callback her. from episode one. That's so that good. That was so good. So good. Yeah. If it wasn't for like, the next show that we're going to talk about, that was probably the best episode all season for me. I thought I, it was incredible. It was, that was like a 10 out of 10 episode. It was. They're definitely the best couple of the season. And honestly, I would argue they're the best couple of the year at this point. But we still have a whole season to go through. Jay, so we'll see. Rent a Girlfriend came out this season. You know that, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we watched the first season of Rent a Girlfriend together and we were not impressed. <laughs> no. no, 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 no. Well, that's two nines and a ten for Call of the Night. Moving on, there's going to be some shows that we're going to be discussing where only I seen. 
This is going to be one of them, so I'll make it quick so we can get back to our group discussion. And that's Made in Abyss, uh, Season 2, The Golden City of the Scorching Sun. To me, that this was an absolute perfect sequel. When you think Made in Abyss, I think you think a couple things. You think Child Torture, Misery, and Kevin Pankin. This is, <laughs> yeah, this is the best soundtrack from an anime I maybe have ever heard. It's just immaculate. Kevin Pankin is a genius. If you haven't yeah. listened to it before, if you or if you listen to season one's OST, season two's OST is just as good, if not better, which is really hard to say because I think the original OST is just uh, like top five all time. We We entered the sixth layer, which in the previous seasons, we've gone through multiple layers in one season. And this time we were stuck on one layer, which I thought was an interesting storytelling aspect. But we really, really got to see this new force in Fapita and what came, sort of the backstory of how this layer even became into an existence with um, the settlers of this and how they all kind of rejected humanity and became these, I don't, I don't know if creatures is the right word, but they are no longer human. Yeah. And it just became an absolute force of storytelling. This show was perfect. The balancing scene, for those who have seen it, if you remember the balancing scene, it still lives rent-free in my head. It was the most... It's hard to say because like it's gruesome, it's horrifying, but it's beautiful. And that's what this season was. It's just, it was yeah. filled with misery. It was filled with pain. But god damn it, was this show not an absolute masterpiece. I enjoyed almost every second of wallowing in pain with everybody on discord or twitter that this show was just incredible the introduction to characters like uh majikaja and ma and voeko were just just immaculate the character design in this show is next level the world building in my opinion is the best in anime period that being said i'm going to get to my final thoughts this is my front runner for anime of the year it has almost broke my top 10 all time. I think this show was absolutely perfect. I'm giving it a 10. Peak fiction. Goat. Raw. Fire. It's a masterpiece if you haven't watched Made in Abyss. And you can you can stomach the misery. You can stomach the pain. I think that this show is just in another world of storytelling. It's, it's just incredible. Yeah. So 10 out of 10 for me for Made in Abyss. Essentially the best man versus environment storytelling of all time, I would argue. Uh, I, like, I, I, people are going to get mad, maybe, but I'm putting the Abyss in my best antagonist category. It's yeah, it's, inc no, that's, it's incredible. That's I think the only people who would get mad about that are those who don't have a diverse like storytelling uh, diet, if that makes sense. People who haven't read those man versus environment and man versus self sort of deals people who need those who need a clear antagonist and it's like you don't always need a clear antagonist sometimes you can just be like the world you're living in is so messed up like that's how i kind of consider kaibo when we watched yeah it. that's like that the world of kaibo was the real issue there yeah i i, I try to explain to people what the abyss is in terms of like an antagonist and it's really hard to explain unless you watch it but the best I try to say is like it's like our real life and like society. Society is an antagonist or some shit like that, and just yeah. how we how we live through society can sometimes be 
detrimental to us or it blocks us in our passage to doing something more with our lives. And that's kind of what the abyss is. And it's, it's just incredible because the mystery of the layers are so unknown where you never know what you're going to get into. And I think to me, that's just like what resonates with it. It creates a threat. It creates mm-hmm. uh, the, the, the unknown of what's happening next is just so well done. And we, and we saw that this season where literally like nobody is safe. Like we don't know who's going to live throughout this journey. Like it wouldn't surprise me if like Nanachi at some point perishes or something like that, because the threats are so high that we don't know what's going to happen. So I I love main abyss. I'm super high on it. I think Mal and most people are that have seen it. If you've watched season one, make sure you watch the movie first and then watch this season because it's uh, required because you might get confused by some stuff that happens this season. So uh, a 10 out of 10 for me for Made in Abyss. Something I've really been considering watching. I just don't know if I... Honestly, I don't mean to blame you here, Simone, by the oh, way. It's oh. one of those things where I just... I'm not sure if both you and I combined have like the capacity to watch child murder in that, uh, in that extent, yeah. if that makes sense. And... No, I uh, for those of you listening, if you like Maynard Abyss, there is an, an RPG I would recommend called Heart, the City Beneath, that has a very, the the heart is very similar to the Abyss in Maiden Abyss, but with less child murder. <laughs> so if you like that sort of thing, but you want to see less child murder, maybe go check that out. That's, I we'll think, play it with your friends. Fair. I think that's fair. Yeah. All yeah. right. I, Moving on to our next show was a show that I think most people were super excited for, and then when it started airing, nobody watched it. And that is The Devil is a Part-Timer, season mm-hmm. two. The gang is back. After 10 years... We finally got the return of Mao Sama and Emmy and the whole gang. However, it was met with some pushback, some issues. I think people saw of this. Jay, I know you watched a few episodes of this, I believe. Tell me your initial thoughts before I go into uh, more in depth since I finished the entire thing. I feel like they really just switched the um, how my the pace. Back in the first season, it was a reverse isekai, which I, I'm a big fan of reverse isekais in general. And it kind of had a good pace with, like, Amelia plotting against them, as well as the angels and such. And in this story, I don't know, I only watched, like, four episodes. It just felt like they were focused so much on the slice-of-life aspect of it and the child aspect of it. Not that I dislike that, it's just, it didn't hit in the quite the same way. Yep. And I'm sure you'll agree with me on this, Pete. Watching the dub actually helped me quite a bit because I find the dub actors want to be funny with it 100%. a lot more. I'll tell you what my biggest issue was. In the first season, it's this reverse isekai and they're brand new to this world. And some of the hijinks that come of it is them trying to figure out the world. Like them trying to set up like an internet thing like program or whatever for their house is part of the hijinks that they have in season two. It just feels like they're fully civilized. They're they're people. Yeah. Yeah. And like, they, they understand everything. They understand like the bylaws. They understand how taxes work. It's just like, where's that quirkiness of like trying to figure out what the trash schedule is. Like we, we met like the 10 years we waited for them was 10 years. They spent learning how to be people. Right. 
And part of the like part of the appeal of a reverse isekai is seeing people get that culture shock. Like yes. even something like if you go back and look at something like even Encino Man, you know, Brent or uh, what's his name, the guy from the Mummy, playing Brendan a Fraser. Uh, Brendan Fraser playing like a caveman or something like that. It's awesome to just watch them deal with that sort of thing. And whenever you kind of fast forward through it, and they just they're not, they know what to do, but they're so struggling, like a poor person, in the same way I am. It's like, okay, I can't get much humor out of this. This is just real life to me that they're struggling and don't know how they're going to get their next meal. Yeah. You know? And this is sort of where I don't blame people for like dropping this or like not continuing it because we don't get that until. The last like two episodes of the season, where guess what? They do that. They don't know. They don't understand uh, how TVs work, and so they have to go to like an electronic store and do that. And like, that's what I wanted from this show. Where yeah, there's the underlying premise of like, sure, they're trying to like, conquer the world or get back to wherever they're from. But what's what's going to happen in between that time to fill that gap? And that's what it was missing this time around. And I do like the introduction to Alice Ramos, the child character. I just felt like it was dragged on a little bit too much with like the mom and dad type of thing that they did, that dynamic. Yeah. And especially with everybody being mad at him for her calling him dad and stuff yeah. like that. It's like, bro, come on now. But then later on in the series where we see her not as prevalent in the storyline where it's more focused on like Mao and Emmy's um conflict with each other along with uh some of the things that unravel i don't want to spoil too much for you in case you ever want to pick it up but um yeah. there's some things that like unravel where it's not focused on uh emmy being the mom and mal being the dad type of thing where that's what i was looking for that's the stuff that's the comedy i wanted and it just sucks that it took like eight episodes to get there but we did get there so it's like it yeah. didn't like stick the landing but it didn't, it, the car didn't explode when it hit the wall. You were able to exit the vehicle after the crash. So that's kind of like where I'm sitting. I gave it a six. Uh, that feels fair to me, um, honestly. Uh, uh, I, I give it an extra point for, like Jay said, I think the dub is just so much better than the sub in this. They add a level of fun to it where I'm also watching along with it. I, the dub's not finished now, so I watched like the last like four episodes in sub. So it was fine towards the end but i think i think six is a fair score it's it has been announced that it is getting more um, yeah it sounds like we're getting more than just one more season it sounds like we're getting multiple seasons so it wouldn't surprise me if they just finish the entire thing i think we have about like i think we have like two or three more seasons left so if you are a fan of devil's a part-timer and you want more content we're probably going to get the whole thing in anime form oh we didn't even touch on this how did you feel about the animation it's fine. Nothing to write home about is the thing, though. Like, I don't know. Like, did the I new obviously... like look distract you at all? Because I know a lot of people did not like the new look. It didn't really distract me that much, honestly. Like, maybe I'm just not good at noticing details and stuff like that. But I, I didn't mind it that much, honestly. Yeah. Even as somebody who recently watched, like, we watched the first episode or the first season for Watch Club pretty recently. Mm-hmm. For me, Devil's a Part-Timer has always shown in, like, its side characters, specifically, like, his butler and his the fallen angel. Is they, I think it's his angel. It's Lucifer and, um... 
Well, uh, yeah, Azazel, I think his name is. I think so. But those two and uh, the not Emmy girl yep. have always been the highlights for me. And I know it sounds so bad for me to say that when I don't know their names like that, but you'll have to forgive me. But, like, yeah, I don't know. In the first few episodes I watched, they were kind of pretty low-key, I would say. And that took away from a bit for me. I'm I'm looking forward to uh, finishing out the series with the dub, especially because I feel like the side characters put a lot of effort into the dubbing for Devil as a part-timer. Yeah. I, uh, I think this will go for me and Jay, but... So hopefully some of the people else got there. This is a really good show to put on like your second monitor while you're playing like TFT. Like you don't yeah. need to be paying full attention to it, but if you like the the series and you want to get ready for like the next couple seasons or whatever, you could just you could throw it up on your second monitor and kind of have yeah. it as like background noise or whatever. You'll pick it up. It's fine. Like it's you're you're not gonna miss too too much is yeah. the thing. And you can you can like wiki dive what you miss, honestly. Like it's not a super plot heavy show. Correct. Is the is what we're getting at. Yes. Yeah. So uh that's a six for me for Devil is a part timer season two. Uh moving on to the next show is a show that only I watched. I'll be quick on this one. It's called The Yakuza's Guide to Babysitting. If you... I want to watch this really bad, actually. That. I've heard good... It gets recommended to me on Crunchyroll literally every time I log in. Uh, for me, this is probably... It's tough. This and Call of the Night, in terms of, like, slice of life elements, were just... It's a different type of... The other one was, like, coming of age slice of life. This is more of, like, uh, uh, like Iyashiki healing chill slice of life especially if you're a fan of uh child care i think that's the, the the tag that they have on mal if you're a fan of like yotsuba if you're a fan of like uh school babysitters or something like that it's that style of slice of life which i am a huge fan of especially with the context of the yakuza uh the guy has to the main character has to babysit uh essentially the boss's kid because there's like ongoing stuff where like he just can't have that guardian watching her essentially her mom is in a coma so he needs help and that's why he's the the babysitter and honestly just a super heartwarming series about like two people being friends essentially there's the whole dynamic with the yakuza there's multiple characters like in the family that you get introduced to that is just really heartwarming and i had an absolute blast watching this uh, Kirishima, who is the main male character, is probably my best boy of the season. I really enjoyed his character. See the spiky-haired one? Yeah, he's... Gotcha. With he, the glasses? The glasses, blue hair. Um, he's kind of, yeah. like, kind of the muscle, which is kind of, like, another dynamic where, like, the... the essentially, what if the, the big buff, buff guy was the babysitter? If you've ever seen the Vin Diesel movie, The Pacifier, something along the I, lines of that. I watched that shit in theaters for my birthday, dog. Yo. Like, yo. Happy birthday to you. Yeah. That shit was so, a slapper. If you like The Pacifier, which is going to be right, recommended. Say less. That, that's going to age me and Jay real quick, but um, I think that you'll really enjoy this. If, if you're not a Slice of Life fan, obviously you're not even, this is not even on your radar, but I think if you are a Slice of Life fan, um, Jay watched, you watched Recipe of Happiness. I thought yes. that was probably going to be like the front runner for like Slice of Life of the Year. And then this came around and I think they're like this. I think, I yeah. literally think they're like this. It, it's going to be really tough to determine which one of those and Call the Night. 
Recipe uh, for Happiness is kind of less on the childcare side yeah. because the the child in that is so independent compared to a lot of other children. Correct. She doesn't want to be taken care of. Yes. Which kind of puts it ahead for me because she's just such a complex character. I I really enjoy her. Yeah. No. I I definitely get that aspect. It it, it is different than Recipe for Happiness. It's just it has that like that that family dynamic where there's like. Yeah. It's not just these two characters where the storyline is, though they are the main focal point. There are other characters that are involved with the story that just that just add to it. That being said, I'm giving this a nine. I I love this. It was it's honestly one of if I do like a top ten slice of life of all time, it's probably number ten. Like it's that good. I had a wonderful time. I hope it gets a second season. I know it it got pretty popular in Japan, but I think is more that a than, manga. I, there is a manga, um, I think actually, I think it's a web manga, web novel or something like that. But I know it's pretty popular. These type of stories normally don't get second seasons, so yeah, I'd probably lean more towards that. It we're probably not going to get a second season. However, I still think it's it's worth checking out, and if this is your style of show, highly recommended. It does look really cute, actually. It, it's yeah. it's really it's really it really cute. cute. It only has like eight volumes, so I don't know, man. Yeah. Might not might not be getting a second season there, yep. sadly. Yep, if you're banking on a second season, I'd bet not don't gonna happen. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Alright, and moving on to our next show is a show that we all watched. My first introduction to this series, that is Tokyo Mew Mew New. A show that I saw it on Twitter. I've I know the Tokyo Mew Mew franchise, but I don't know pretty much anything about it until coming into watching Tokyo Mew Mew News. So, uh, Simone, I know you look like you're eager to talk about this. So what were your thoughts on uh, the remake of Tokyo Mew Mew? So I inherited the original like manga series from my aunt. So I've been reading this since I was like 12 years old. This was my first manga. So I love Tokyo Mew Mew. Um, this anime, like <laughs> I like the new style a lot. Super cute. Um, the pacing was really fun. I can't wait to see, like, the actual big reveals that come. I thought it was, like, well animated. All the colors are accurate. Like, it's super cute. I'm excited to see where it goes. And I'm I'm pumped. I'm pumped. <laughs> Jay, how about you? One thing I'll start off by saying, it was super depressing to look at the differences between the original and the new one. Specifically in the first episode, where in the old one, they're like, <laughs> 15% of the of the species of the animal species in the world are facing extinction and then in the new ones we're like 80% of the animal species in the world are facing extinction it's like shit damn like i'm gl i'm glad that they updated it because it's obviously a very environmentally conscious series in general i'm super happy about oh, that yeah. but at the same time that put it in perspective for me i love this quite a bit he's been having a great time <laughs> it's <laughs> It's pretty basic as far as, like, magical girl stuff goes. Like, they didn't go super out of their way to make it fancy. But it doesn't really need to be fancy at the same time. Like, Tokyo Mew Mew is a super beloved series. Uh, the mangaka actually passed away last year. Rest yep. in peace to her. Right, I, I think it was, like, right before the series started yeah. airing, actually. Mm -hmm. um, I enjoyed this quite a bit. I liked all the characters, basically, all of the Mew Mews were fantastic, in my opinion. Really looking forward to the next season of this. I'm pretty sure it's going to be getting a new season. It's already so. been confirmed for a second season. Yeah. 
Oh hell yeah! Also, yeah. the villains are really fun yeah, as well. The villains are cool. I'm I'm pretty much ex- I'm expecting Quiche to end up being like a love interest sort of character at some point, but we'll see. Can can, can I say something? Yeah, of course. Don't bank on it. Okay. Okay. Well, that's a slight spoiler. I mean, not that big of one, honestly. But yeah, I get you. Yeah, Quiche seems like the guy who's if you're ever at like a club or something, a little too handsy. That's yeah. That, that, yeah. That's the vibe I got from him. He's sniffing your hair. Yeah. I get that. I get that. Yeah, he probably he, he definitely has like an OnlyFans subscription for feet or something like that. Uh, <laughs> I mean, uh, I like I like the robotic villain a lot too. I can't remember what his name was. was the tall guy, though. Yeah. Yeah. Who's like part of his crew or whatever? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh so my fir- this is my first introduction. I knew that it was a very, I, I somebody described to me as very shojo, very yeah. very girly, and it was. But that doesn't take away from the show. I had a blast with this. At one point, Boo Ling was my favorite girl of the entire season. I love Boo Ling. Also, the I don't know if you listened to the ED. But if it wasn't for Call of the Night, this would probably be my favorite ED of the season as well. It had no right to go that hard. I I have it's just an we'll enjoyable about, show. We'll talk about it later, but the licorice recoil ED is Oh, so that's good super good too. Me. That grew like, that grew on me. Yeah. That, that was one of those ones where like I liked it and then I kinda like swept it under the rug and then the more I listened to it, I'm like, actually that ED is a fucking bop. Yeah. This I e- have it on my Spotify. <laughs> this ED was just super fun. I thought the OP was super fun as well, though the lyrics are kind of... And it's a shoujo. Yeah, it's, it's, it's hilarious. Like... The opening line is, Cat, we are super girls or something like that. I was just like, those lyrics don't make any sense, but who cares? Like, it, we're having a yeah, blast. Yeah, whatever, man. Yeah, this show was I'll just... drive my car at 90. Yeah, um... I don't watch a lot of magical girl shows. Like I never watched Sailor Moon. I never watched like Card Capture Sakura. I really only into like Madoka, I guess. So this is my first. I would say like it's your pop- first. It's yeah. your non like. Oh, uh, what's the word? It's the non deconstructive. Yeah. Magical girl series you've watched. Hey, I watch a lot of anime. There's is some that I miss. Magical girls is just one of those things where I just don't watch a lot of. It's not that I don't like it or anything. It's just. Wonder- you know what? Actually, I'll call you out. Kageki Shoujo is a magical girl anime. They literally have a whole transformation oh, sequence you mean, in that. Oh, review, no, sh- uh, review, review Starlight. Starlight. Yeah, 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 yes, yeah. For sorry, sure. they're both they're both called Review Starlight. Yeah. Unironically. Yes. Uh, but that being said, this show was honestly a whole lot of fun. I don't think it did anything like it didn't do anything that wowed me. But I was entertained the entire time that I was watching it. I I thought the cast was solid. I think the the girl. voice actress on Zuko, uh, Z- Z- oh, what's her name, Zakuro, the the the, t- the tall girl. Yeah. Her voice actress is incredible. It's- all all of the voice actresses yeah, for this good. were like new voice actresses. Yeah, this- by the way, this was like all of their first thing. Wow. So I did not know yeah. that. Um. Then props to Boo Ling and uh Tall Girl. They. I think they, it's Zakura. I think you got it. It's Zakura. Yeah, knocked it out of the I park. Like I, 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 I'm, I'm looking forward to season two. Um, I'm kind of surprised by how Zakura. Yeah, okay. you, you're fine. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, that being said, I'm gonna give the show. Uh, I gave it a seven. I thought it was fun, entertaining. Didn't do anything that like wowed me, but I had a blast watching this, and I'm looking forward to season two. I'm excited for 
think seven is about where I'm at with it too. Like yeah, it's fair. a completely fair like it's it's just good. Like it's good. It's that's fun. all there is to it. There's nothing that will give you like that wow factor like you said, but it's one of those things where it's hard to find something like wrong with it, where it's just oh. a glaring flaw. Uh, Ichigo's boyfriend is the only flaw that I have with the show. I I Keep hate watching. I hate Keep I watching. hate him. <laughs> I understand that, but also the the issues you have the collar, get... yeah. The collar thing was weird. I will admit that that was odd. Yeah, that is weird. But I will say, keep watching. He does get far more interesting. Okay, sounds he good. He will. Okay. Yeah, I mean, Shira Gone. It's hard to beat him. Go, voice actor of uh, Gojo and stuff like that. Like, yeah, it's yeah. difficult. Uh, Simone, what did you give this show? Uh, biased opinion, ten. I'm oh, kidding. that's fine. Uh, unbiased opinion, like seven, is very fair. I feel. Yeah. All right. So three unbiased sevens and one biased ten. Yes. For Tokyo Mew Mew New. Next up is Shadow's House season two, a show that only I watched, and holy shit, was I blown away by this season. I I we thought need the... to, we're we're gonna catch up on that soon. I loved the first season so much. Okay, so I will do my best to not spoil it for you guys, but the level of mystery that they added to this season I thought was so well done. It was something that just absolutely encapsulated me with how they perceived the shadows and uh, the the humans together. Where that dynamic was kind it was kind of mentioned in the first season. We kind of got like the idea of what the living doll's purpose was, and this time we got to see a little bit more of what the living dolls are really meant to do as they get older, which I thought was a question mark for season one that we get answered in season two. We get the addition of Mary Rose and the backstory of like Barbie, I thought was just wonderfully crafted. Kind of got to see how she fell from grace a little bit where she wasn't this uptight character that she was more of this super athletic fun, happy-go-lucky girl, and then the kind of what happened years prior kind of transformed Barbie and Barbara as this, like, stick-up-their-ass character. And I I honestly didn't think that we were going to get that this season, and the fact that we did just adds layer to the the characters and the cast that we get in the show. I love... I thought Kate also took a step up in her character growth. I thought season one was really Emilico's time to shine, and this time we got Kate kind of stepping up to the plate. So Emilio and Kate are on this new same level where they are kind of one. And that's kind of like the point of Shadow's House where these characters are supposed to be the same. Uh, I thought John got to step up this year along with Ricky as well. Just overall a wonderful season. If you're a fan of season one, I definitely check would recommend checking out season two. I think this is... I gave season one an eight. I gave, I'm giving season two a nine. It was just a... Wonderful time. Jay, any thoughts on it before we move on to the next one? I just gotta ask, is the ED as much of a slapper as the first season's ED? So the e- the girl who did the ED in season one does the OP in season two, which was good. And then Claris does the ED for this one, which is great. Everyone loves Claris. Yeah, it, it's a very good ED, but it does nothing compares to Nine Nine from season one, which is like a top that, three. ED that ED is insane. 
Like, it is legitimately insane. It was my ED of the year last year, I would say. Yeah, yeah. just the music, the music is really good in this season as well. Nothing to, like, rave about, but you have that, like, classical piano stuff like the dad in season one. You get this again in season two. Really good. I'm giving it a nine out of ten. Next up is, oh, too bad Pat's not here. Ruby uh, Ice Queendom. Uh, we, got, we did watch a bit of this. Yeah, so let me get your initial thoughts on what you saw from Ruby. Honestly, some of the animation was super rough in the episodes we watched. Even in the first episode, which is like most anime studios, if they're going to go all out on an episode, it'll be either the first or the last one because you want to hook people, it's right? It's the last one this season. Because <laughs> in that first episode, there's like a, a panel of... Uh, yang getting off of her bike that is so rough it's like the first thing and yang is like the only person who doesn't get her own like intro more or less besides she shares one with ruby and just to see how rough it was it's like okay so that's where we're at and i enjoyed as someone who has looked into a bit of the ruby lore beforehand I enjoyed the uh, character that they added to this, the um, sort of witch dream weaver type of character. He, like, he was fantastic. He honestly reminded me of a Hunter Hunter character. In a, he was a Hunter Hunter character in like a uh, ru- in the Ruby world, which says a lot. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I don't know. I enjoyed it, but it definitely could have been better. Like they didn't try too hard. I feel like they didn't try too hard because of how the original was. If that makes sense. Yep. Definitely an improvement, but no. <laughs> yeah, it's nothing to write home about. It won't be winning any awards for animation, sadly. I think it's one of those things where, say, if it's like Kyoto Animation or if it's Mappa or if it's Bones or something like that, going into it, we have, I think we have a certain level of what we're expecting to see from animation itself. Uh, when there's a studio attached to it, we kind of have this rough idea. This time around, it's Shaft. And Shaft is known for, like, Madoka, Monogatari, uh, March Comes in Like a Lion, where good these stuff. are, a st- they do a really good job at animating it. And then we get Ruby, where it feels like they had the budget of a, like, six-episode show, but this was 12 episodes. And they had to, like, pick and choose where they wanted to put their money. And that's kind of, like, what I felt with it. And... yeah. Episode 11, where we get the R- Team Ruby versus, I think it's Nightmare Blake. That fight, incredible. Where was that all season? It was so well animated, but it's one of those things where, okay, we have the animation budget in episode 11. We have the animation budget in episode 3. And then everything else is kind of like fill in the gap. And that was like my biggest issue with the animation. However, my biggest issue with the story itself was the pacing. The dream yeah. was like seven episodes it should have been like three this should have been this is i feel like it's like the content of an eight episode show into a 12 episode series it was just it was slow it was so slow where we get the dream sequence they finish it they go back into the dream sequence because they didn't actually finish it and then that just continues it just felt like a when you like describe the pacing, it reminds me of my least favorite manga of all time, Earth Child. Like, because <laughs> Earth Child has a point where 
they have to go to space to do this shit. And they're like, okay, guys, we have to go back down to Earth after we just traveled up to space because we have to go see dead girl's parents. And then they go back up to space after that. And it's like, I don't know. I feel like Shaft just didn't try that hard because it was somebody else's, like, it was already animated. It was somebody else's story, if that makes sense. They phoned it in. And that, like, Ruby doesn't deserve that. Like, I'm not... I'm not a Ruby stan, like, shout out Pat, shout out my brother Josh, but, like, it does, it is a story, like, Monty's story deserves better than someone just phoning it in for half of the season, in my opinion. It sucks, too, because, like, I think on paper, establishing Weiss as, like, this kind of, like, broken character of, like, having this, like, family pressure of being like a, I don't know she's probably like a billionaire in their world or whatever yeah. and having heard the, this dream sequence where she's like fighting all the stigma and stuff that she had to go through and jokingly her being racist against uh faunuses i think could have been like a really great story if they paced it correctly but by the while i was watching it, it was just like i don't care if they want me to establish or they want weiss to get established as this great character I was just so bored by what I was seeing that I, I it just took me out of it, unfortunately, which sucks because yeah, the character design is so good in this story. Like it's incredible. And like the, the wardrobes just so good. I will never forgive them for calling a team team son. And then the spelling of team son is team S S S N is wow. the issue. Like, S- yeah small nitpick but holy shit and uh i i definitely agree with you like they really it it at the end of the day it feels like shaft phoned it in and that's just not fair to the story like i would i don't blame rooster teeth or the people who were working on ruby on that side i definitely blame the animation studio for just like as messed up as this to say it feels like they did not give a shit like yeah. it truly feels like they did not care, and they're just like, okay, we're cashing this paycheck so we can go make another Monogatari movie yeah. or some shit like that. It sucks because the last two episodes were great. I literally said out loud while I was watching it, "Where was this the rest of the season?" Because the conclusion of the dream like arc, I guess, was really good, and then we got kind of like the fun episode, the food fight episode, where it's Team uh, Jennifer versus Team Ruby was so much fun. It was they did a, an incredible job at making this like school essence of like magical people or whatever that they are fun. And it didn't have to be this super serious dream sequence. You can give me the slice of life school aspects of it and we got that in the last episode. And I wish we saw some more of that because just kind of like how his pace was like introduction to the team, they go to school and then super serious dream arc and it's just like Yo, pump the brakes. Like, we barely know these people. And I think that's kind of, like, where I ran into, like, my biggest problem. Where you could have made the dream sequence three episodes and could get me some more backstory on these other characters. And made me care more. So, that being said, I'm going to give it a six. I I really enjoyed the cast. I think that's why I'm going to give it higher than I think what it normally should be. I thought Team Ruby was so much fun. I love Ruby herself. What a, f- just a super fun character. Would you say she's your best girl for that show? From what I saw, yes. I, I think yeah. if I got more content, I think that my mind could be changed. 
but I really enjoyed just like her like you know she's shy in the beginning she she only really opens up to Yang and then she becomes the leader and then kind of takes that role and goes with it and I like that in a character so that was yeah. that's kind of like why I put her but like Yang towards the end I was a big fan of I love a punch girl, so Yang yeah. is just going to be my favorite regardless. Blake was cool, and like I don't like Weiss, but I don't think it's her fault. I think it's the story's fault why I don't like Weiss. I get that. I think aesthetically, she's like the just awesome, but like as a character, I just I couldn't get into it. I know Pat loves Weiss. I'm like, I'm just gonna go watch a Kamega kill instead, and in, in Simp S Death or some yeah. shit. I don't know, man. Yeah. Like, like. I don't know. The Ice Girl character has been done so many times. It's difficult for me unless they get deep into the character development, and they just didn't do it in this season. It's like they tried, but failed at doing it. I don't know how. It, it's hard to describe. Also, the yeah. the concept of something called Big Nicholas is so stupid. He's Santa Claus, Pete. It, it's dumb. It's so dumb. That's it, the main villain. Is Santa Claus. Big Nicholas. Big Nicholas. I thought it was funny the first time I heard it, and then as it went on, I'm like, this is like a really serious dream sequence where, like, they're fighting for their sanity, and then you hear, Big Nicholas! I'm like, what the fuck is going on? It just kind of took me out of it. I wish that they came up with a better name, but it's whatever. That's Ruby. I gave it a six. Um, I If it gets a second season or more, I'll probably watch it. I'll be real. I'll peep it, too. I'll peep it at least to see what Pat has to say about it. All right, before we get to our last show, we're going to do something called our speed round. So it's essentially the shows that we don't have time to talk about or shows that we dropped or whatever. Anything else in between that maybe we saw a movie that we just want to chime in and get our thoughts on. So I will go first. I will start with some other shows that I finished. Rent a Girlfriend Season 2. I I think the show sucks. However, Kazuya wasn't a massive piece of shit this season. So because of that, I'm going to give it a five. The We got like two Sumi episodes, which was incredible because she is the best girl. However, the fact that any of these girls like him romantically is a fault on the show because he's just human trash. Uh, but some parts were fun. I'm going to give it a five. Uh, harem Labyrinth. It's a show about having a harem and going in a labyrinth. And it, it, it did that. Wow. <laughs> I, I like shows that, like, don't... Is it better than Dan Machi, though, is the thing? Because that seems like the same idea to me. Yeah, I'm, I'm gonna steal this from, from this take from Miles. Shows should just shoot for being, like, 7 out of 10s, or their endings should just be 7 out of 10s. The show's about having a harem, they go in a labyrinth. They did exactly that. Because of that, I'm giving it a 7. It was fine. And it did what it said it was going to do. Do I think the show is trash? Absolutely. But it promised what it said it was going to do. So I'm going to give it a seven uh, overlord season four. Have you ever watched like a show and you don't remember anything that happened to it? Especially if you've already watched three seasons, that was overlord for me. I don't remember what the fuck American happened. American dad. Yeah. American <laughs> overlord is the American dad of, of anime. Yeah. It's like, did things happen in seasons one through three? Yes. Can I tell you what happened? No idea. Does uh, it matter? Also? No, probably not. Uh, did it? It's really- a game. Yeah. I did not like this season. The fact that the whole overarching premise is to essentially take over this like city and they took 12 episodes to do so when he could have done it in like five seconds. 
real boring. This this season could have been like five five episodes and got through everything. The fact that it was twelve, I was bored out of my fucking mind. Also, the last episode, the singing part. Why they they made Overlord a musical for some reason, and it was just trash. I'm gonna give this. Who a- is it? Who is singing? Though? Oh, the Sorry. new girl in her in his. Uh, oh shit! Team. If it was Albedo and uh, Ayn singing, I would no. have loved that just because it would have been stupid. But I don't care about this new girl. They so essentially continue. introduced the uh, the princess of the city that he's capturing, like backstabbed it so she could become a demon or whatever and join his, his crew. His, his penis was just too good. Yeah, right. But like, it, I just thought the storytelling was really, really bad this season. I gave it a five. And last. A show called Parallel World Pharmacy is about a guy who gets reincarnated as, like, the god of pharmacy, which on paper sounds really dumb. And guess what? It was I. I I thought the cast and characters were fun. Uh, The whole idea of, like, creating, like, pills from scratch was kind of interesting. Kind of Dr. Stone-esque, but in a pharmacy way. However, it is stereotypical generic isekai except it's set in a pharmacy and not a male power fantasy so if you're looking for for some reason if you're looking for an isekai that's not a male power fantasy check out parallel world pharmacy i gave it a six what are you what are you talking about being a pharmacist is a male power fantasy shout out miles (laughs) oh uh this is awkward yeah um it's it's not your shield hero it's not your redo of a healer it's he doesn't like create supply and demand for the pills like well he kind of make... he kind of does he gets in like a a trade ward with the guild because he's able to make like cosmetics cheaper and safer and ah, stuff like that gotcha. so it's it's a little spice and wolf-esque as well um mixed in there but it it's not gonna blow you away uh i watched it because i think it like it was like the only show that aired on like sundays or whatever that i was watching so I watched it on Sundays. Um, yeah, I would never recommend this show to anybody. It was fine. Yeah, a six. Uh, Jay or Samoa, did you guys have any shows or movies or whatever that were missed? Futo PI, pretty solid. You don't have to have a knowledge of Common Rider to watch it, in my opinion. It's okay. just a decent show in the, in that way. And uh, Lucifer and the Biscuit Hammer, a.k.a. Hoshi no Samidari. Not as bad as people make nope. it out to be. It does not deserve a 5.3 on Mal. I'll say that much. This is an archetypical shonen, uh, bat- like, battle shonen romance, as far as manga goes. It has some really rough production, but I really don't think it deserves a 5.3 out of all things. It's absolutely ridiculous it has that. I agree. So, I'm watching it. I-, I think it's fine. I think it has production issues, but, like, the story itself is like not anything worse than what's out there now. I like the I, I like the main girl just like they have this world ending threat and she's like, I'm gonna stop this world ending threat and I'm going to destroy the world with my own bare hands. Yeah. Like that is such a good I don't know, the story is there. It really is. It's just they did not give this classic shonen what it deserves because it is a unironically a classic shonen people don't know that they did not give it what it deserves so shame on you uh let's see <laughs> some random production company uh nippon animation manichi broadcasting system Movic, jimoto bs11 my theater dd live view in japan solanude mixer and mirai kojo shame on you Spit-ting. 
Also, but I also want to say one thing. They gave her pants in this. There are no yeah, panty they, shots. They did. They There's, did cut out the gratuitous panty shots that were in the which manga, is a plus which for me. I wonder if people are like, this show sucks because I don't see her panties every twelve seconds. No, for me, it's a plus. So whatever they say. Uh, so, did you guys have any other ones that you want to get through? Uh, let me. Oh, I guess if you count it, I would also say JoJo's Bizarre Adventure Part Six. Yep. It came out right before the new season came out. Honestly, I mean, what can be said that you haven't already seen on Twitter from JoJo fans? Netflix completely fucked the dog on this one. It was so messed up what they did to this when they, because I know you don't, you're not a JoJo's guy, Pete. Let me explain to you. Part five of JoJo's had so much hype behind it. There were so many memes people were putting out and then Netflix was like, what if we just release it in, uh, uh, in batches? Far enough apart from each other to where the hype will die after a week because fuck JoJo's apparently. Yep. It, it made me so angry. And Ronnie, I'm I'm a JoJo's guy. I'm not. A, I wouldn't call myself like one of those stands or a stand, if you will. Mm-hmm. But it it deserved legitimately better, especially because like first female JoJo uh, in the show. Like the cast is overall great. It's a great story. It's just like, it took so long for me that I don't feel like watching it because I just went ahead and read it all because it took so damn long for them to uh, release the batches. And it, it, it deserved a lot better than that, in talk, my opinion. Talk your shit. I love it. Thank you. And uh, Digimon Ghost Game, great weekly anime. Again, you don't have to like, this is a Fudo PI situation where you legitimately do not have to like Digimon to enjoy this. It is so good. You have the voice actor for Karapika, as well as, uh, I believe, Nazuna as well, playing the main Digimon. You have a... Pete, look me in the eyes when I say this, Pete. You have a scene that is legitimately Gon's Rage from Hunter x Hunter in Digimon Ghost Game, done exactly as well. When I say that... The voice actress left it all on the on the fucking field. She, like, left it all on the field. Like, this was some Made in Abyss level voice acting, as far as I'm concerned. Which says a lot, because even I, as someone who has not watched all of Made in Abyss, knows that it is insane voice acting. And I also gotta give a shout-out to Summertime Render. Yeah. Honestly, not as good this season, in my opinion, just because it switched over to a more action style instead of a mystery. I'm a big mystery fan. But it was still really solid. The animation kept through the whole time. I'm sad more people weren't on it because it got locked in Disney jail. Yep. Uh, and if you guys are thinking, hey, you guys missed a huge show, fear not. We are actually doing an entire episode on Cyberpunk Edge Runners. So uh, if you are looking for an hour plus review of that show, we will be giving it to you the following week. But we're going to get to Good show, by the way. Just uh, pacing gets kind of weird. Yeah. But that's all I got to say about it. Yeah. I-, I-, I think if you like that show, we will we'll be giving a very nice review on it. I'll, I'll yeah, it, it'll it'll be up there, hundred yeah. percent. Absolutely. Let's get to our last show. I think it's a show that we both watched, or all of us watched. Yeah, uh, that is Licorice Recoil. Uh, what Holy ha- shit! What happens if John Wick gets turned into a teenage girl and is an orphan and is now an assassin type of Look, thing? What before you continue, I just want to say shout out to Shisato. She literally is the first main girl I have ever been like, that is the best girl in a show. Chisato is fucking awesome. I love her so much. Continue, Pete. No, yeah, no, that's good. That's good. It's uh, the Miles thing where, like, the first girl can never be, like, the the main love interest or the best girl. 
But I think this is Shisato just just no, knocked out of the park. This is um like Sarsa from Kageki Shoujo for me, where it's like when she's on the screen, it's like, yeah, you're you're the best. Like I already know it. Like you're I I love you. Absolutely incredible character. She will be a front runner in like best girl of the year. This show itself, I I loved it. I love the ridiculousness of it. I love the premise of, you know, time is running out. Like we need to get you a heart and um kind of like that whole story of like going through the motions of fighting a terrorist while also fighting for your friends and fighting for your life and what's important to you. So uh I want to get your guys' thoughts on Licorice Recoil. I loved it, honestly. First off, I just want to say the OP and ED both were fantastic. Like I I'm a big fan of the ED in particular. I just really enjoyed the vibe of that, but visuals on the OP, super solid. Um, I mean, me and you have talked about this before, Pete, but we're witnessing the birth of a new franchise for this. Like, the light novel has, like, it's it's been reprinted, like, five times or something just in pre-orders. It has, like, 200,000 copies sold or something ridiculous like that. This show was so good. If I could say anything, like, bad about it, and even, not even that bad, mind you, it would just be that I felt like they were kind of flowing through the plot, if that makes sense. It wasn't, it was kind of difficult to tell where the plot was going until, like, the last eight episodes or so, Mm -hmm. but I enjoyed the kind of lower stakes deal they were going with through there. I liked the the back and forth between Chisato and Takina, as well as Chisato and um, Majima. Like, the just difference in how much they were willing to go... Like, the difference in even just willing to kill people was just such a good talk about it. Like, talking about what, like being willing to kill people is a very played out uh, philosophical and moral conundrum, and especially in anime, I feel. And Licorice Recoil gave us a really fresh perspective on that, which I appreciated. It also, just in general, had a fantastic cast. One of the best uh, mentor characters I've ever seen with Mika. I love seeing him pop off in the last episode. Yeah, so good. And it goes without saying, but it was just awesome to see like a person of color just being so fantastic and well-designed. Like, respectfully designed at that, is what I should yeah. say. I loved Licorice Recoil so much. Absolutely loved it. Um, the part I found very funny is like, is this how Japan thinks it would be if it had guns? Yeah, <laughs> like the guy just shaking with the gun yeah. in his hand. It's like, man, there, yeah, there would be somebody who's just like, hell yeah, I have a gun. Yeah. I, I just found a little bit of humor in that. I I love Chisato. Like she she is my girl, and like the definitely the moral conundrum of like, yeah, I don't want to kill people. I just want to like. Uh, medium level name <laughs> yeah kind of deal like i i i don't know i loved going in depth in the characters i thought like the whole heart thing was a really fun twist added a lot of suspense like it was great pacing like i had a great time i yeah. had a great time watching this i gave it a nine overall by the way right on when we get shows like this where i I feel like the cast can do whatever they want and I would watch it. We kind of got that at the end where now them at like, the food cart. That yeah, was so good. They're like, they're like food truck sales. I'm like, yeah, give me 12 episodes of that. Like, I don't care. Like I love everybody here so much. Um, I'd love to see them on vacation. <laughs> yeah. Just like what this show does then 
like other shows is that Chisato, in terms of like, let's take this in like Hollywood per, like performances or whatever, Chisato is a star. Like, yeah, she is. She she's so cute when she's on the screen. Like, it's like you you can't wait to like see what she does, how she reacts, what she sounds like because. She does She's like, so cute. If you like, like, if you YouTube like Chisato noises, that's a thing, because during the show she does like her own quirky, I don't know, ad libs or onomatopoeias that she has that just like go so against the grain from other characters in this show that she just she steals the spotlight. I also love 100%. that the fact that like her most popular voice acting roles are like Reina and she Reina from uh, Sound Euphonium. And Chisa from Grand Blue, which are both very quiet, passive characters. And then she just does the exact opposite in this yeah, show. Chisato is like a social butterfly. And it's, like... Yeah, it's it's so wild when you hear somebody uh who's the guy who does um the the, the older voice actor that you like or whatever? Injurosudo. Like when you hear him, he always plays like a certain type of character. I feel like, yeah, hundred like, percent. When I see her do th- uh, this role compared to like what she- else she does, for me, it like elevates the show because it's just like this out. chick can do anything, and it's one of those technical aspects that I just absolutely fall in love with. My only real gripe with this show, not the not the wildness of like these like hidden organization full of like high school girls and boys or whatever. Majima, I was pretty indifferent about his like, yeah, how he like perceived himself and how he perceived like what is good and what is evil and like him always picking the side of the underdog is like how he viewed himself. I had a hard time grasping onto like his motivations when I think of like this like, have you seen Psychopaths? No, we have, but it's on our list, but yeah. Okay, so, like, the antagonist in Psychopaths, like, lays out... Is that the one with, a uh, Shonen Bat? No, or that's Paranoia that... Agent. Paranoia Agent. They're, they occupy a very similar space in my mind. Yeah, um, Makishima, that's his name. His name is Makishima. And he is kind of similar as well, where, like, he's going against, like, society, and he's doing what he thinks is right, like, he's just siding with the people and not like the government type of thing and majima kind of i felt like that's kind of like where he was going where like he's doing this for like the greater good he's doing this for the underdog but like i didn't understand why he viewed like his side as like the underdog that's where like i kind of fell off but this show was just a blast like i looked forward to watching this every i think it came out on saturday like every saturday it was Licorice Recoil. I watched it. I did 25 minutes of cardio at the gym, and I was watching Licorice Recoil. I purposely waited for the show to be aired. I'm doing it this season with Spy Family. It's just like, I'm waiting for the show to go air, and then I can knock out whatever I'm doing while I'm watching it. Love this show. Jay gave it a 9. I'm giving it a 9. Simone, what's your rating? I would say solid 9, yeah. I genuinely enjoyed this anime quite a bit. The we- only thing oh. that... Sorry, the only thing that had me was in the last episodes, I was screaming at Chisato to just let Takina kill this dude. Like, Just let him die. I did love the, uh, like, how Majima showed up at the end when the guy was, like, holding the gun. He's like, dude, just, it's just a gun. Like, chill out. Like, I, I did legit, like, that gave me, like, an oh shit moment because how the fuck did that guy survive that? 
but also like I'm looking forward to the next season and give me a Lily Bell spinoff. Oh, that would be so cool. But Jay, you said earlier this is the birth of a new franchise that we're seeing. I'm trying to think of like the last original that like birth of franchise. The first thing that came to my mind was Madoka Magica. Um mm-hmm. or I don't th- it's it's not gonna be like the same level. Well, I guess Fate had like a visual novel source, but like how Fate like grew as a franchise. I think we're going to see more Leakerous Recoil, whether it is the light novel that they're producing now, which is a slice of life um thing. I'm assuming that'll get animated sometime down the road. I think they're gonna milk this. Uh Jay's mentioned it before. Two hundred thousand pre-orders for a light novel. Not a manga and not sales pre-orders. This is unheard of. Like, yeah, it's crazy. Like, even SAO, the most sold light novel of all time, doesn't get 200,000 pre-orders. This is nuts. I I can't wait to see what we get in the future from this this franchise. It, it's just, it's unlike, I don't know, it's, it's fun seeing this being born in front of our eyes. And especially a good franchise that I want more of. Any final thoughts on either Licorice or just the season in general before we wrap up? Yeah. Season. Yeah. I love Licorice, honestly. Like, I was honestly very surprised. It was one of those things where I kind of saw that people were loving it on Reddit and Twitter. And I was like, okay. I kind of dismissed it at first. But then I watched it. And the second that Chisato did, like, the dodging of the bullets in the first episode where she just kind of, like, moves her head to the side. Mm -hmm. I was like, you know what? I'm actually in. 100%. Yeah, I did not expect it to be as good as I thought it was. As it was. Like, I'm not on the internet. I didn't hear anything. Might be the best Girls With Gun show at this point. Yeah? Yeah? I went into it blind. Absolutely loved it. Yeah. 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 Just great. I I think overall for the season, I think it was a little top-heavy. Um, we didn't talk about every show that we um, that aired just because of things like, say, like, I know, Jay, you mentioned it, Class Really Elite. Like, I never watched season one, but, like, even, like, these highly anticipated shows like that, um, um, Devil's a Part-Timer, for me, like, Overlord, or um, How to, like, Pick Up Girls in a Dungeon, these shows, like, sequel, sequel-heavy, like, mid-shows kind of, like, I feel like was, like, the emphasis of this season. However, we got some absolute bangers on top that I was pleasantly surprised about. We should also give a shout-out to Isekai Uncle, even though it hasn't finished yet because of the delays. Yeah, that's... Solid. Honestly, really solid reverse Isekai. I had a I 10. Ind- I, I liked it quite a bit. It's super funny. I really liked it. I, the only complaint is I don't really like the character design that much, but that's just yeah. me. No, that's just what he I looks get that. Like. That's just his face. He looks like a Titan from Attack on Titan. Oh, he absolutely I, does. Like, <laughs> I just hope, I hope and pray that he either A, goes back to that world someday, or the elf girl comes to our world. Because I, I, I love I, the elf girl. Based on what they showed, I have to assume the elf girl shows up in our world at some point. She has to, right? I love her. They but like they show her in like a hoodie and stuff in some of the art. Like I feel like she has to show up like Amelia more or less, you know? Yeah. I liked like him 
I liked the nephew being like, he doesn't know what a tsundere is. And then him explaining it and being like, oh, yeah, you know, you understand that. Asuka actually loved Keiji, which is the funniest shit in the world to me because it's like, this is actual debates people had back in the day for Eva. It's 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 so funny that he doesn't know what tsundere was or are because he never watched Neon Genesis. I, yeah, I, I, that's like he, didn't un he didn't understand the Asuka character yeah. and thought that she loved KG, yeah. more or less. Yeah, just 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 incredible. Uh, I also forgot to do the shows that I dropped, so I'm going to knock those out real quick, and then we're going to wrap up. Uh, Vermeil and Gold, uh, it is a super horny show. I just wasn't in the mood to watch a super horny show. That's all. I, I heard it's fine. About a child, more or less. Yeah. Like... Heard, it, heard it's fine, just wasn't my cup of tea for right now, so I dropped it. Engage Kiss. Sounds like I dodged a bullet because that ending sounded like it was hot garbage. Uh, looked trash. Looked like a typical male power fantasy, um, like love triangle thing, and that's what it was. Then it turns out the main love interest is like his cousin, so glad I skipped that one. And then the last one was my mom's, or sorry, my stepmom's daughter is my ex. Uh, I knew where this was going. I watched one episode. I knew exactly where it was going. Whereas trying to be, it was trying to be smart. Like it wasn't trying to hide the fact of like what it was going to do, and then it did it. And I was like, I, I just, I found that out afterwards. I was like, yep, that was pretty obvious. I'm glad I skipped that. So those are the three shows I watched or that I dropped from this season. Um, the one show I dropped was uh, Orient. Oh, and yeah. That is just like, it is legitimately the most basic shonen you have ever watched. Just go watch something else, yeah. honestly. It Or go read it, I guess. Honestly, the manga doesn't seem that bad. I just, I have... I don't know. It was it was huge. It's a it's the definition of like a six or seven show in my opinion, mm -hmm. and it, the rating shows that on Mal. Gotcha. So, yeah. Gotcha. Well, that's all. Wrap up today's episode, uh, Jay and Simone. Thank you so much for joining me, especially at the time of recording. I appreciate you uh, coming on. That was a fun conversation. That being said, oh, yeah. uh, if you want to support us, best way to do so, like, comment, subscribe, leave a review on whatever platform you are watching or listening to us on. Go check out Jay's podcast, Manga Melee, uh, if you are looking for some manga-based podcasts. Otherwise, hey, Pete's we... on there, too, sometimes. I, I've been on two episodes, too, so if you want to hear my opinions on manga, uh, read Berserk. Uh, check that out. Otherwise, <laughs> uh, next episode, we will be doing Cyberpunk Edge Runners for Watch Club, so I'm looking forward to that. So thank you so much for listening, and we will see you next time. Hell yeah.